welcome into the Big Ten Huddle. I'm your host, JR, and we have our basketball episode today, so we're going to be talking all things Big Ten hoops. We have a lot of games that happened recently that we're going to recap. Not going to do any previews today just because we have so many big games, but we are going to try to hit a few big games that happened, make sure we give you some insight how teams are looking. There's some teams that maybe we thought were going to look really good that maybe haven't looked as great, and maybe some teams that we didn't look so good, but now they're looking a little bit better, so it's going to be interesting to talk about today. I have a full panel with me today. I have Burke White from the Often Daunted podcast, Adam Jardy from Columbus Dispatch, the Buckeye Extra Ohio State Hoops podcast, and Brant Henson from Big Banter Sports, our CEO there. We're going to have a great time in this one. I'm going to let these guys introduce themselves and let you know where you can find them. Burke, let's start with you. All right. I'm Burke White. I'm the host of the Often Daunted podcast, just uh, covering Indiana basketball here on the Big Banter Sports Network. Uh, get an episode out after each game, uh, not only recapping that one, but also previewing the next opponent and in largely following these last two, mostly bitching about the Hoosiers. As one IU fan would be expected to do. So, <laughs> Absolutely. We'll go ahead and move to Adam. Adam, tell people about you and where they can find you at. Sure. I'm Adam Jardy. I'm the Ohio State men's basketball beat writer for the Columbus Dispatch. I'm in my ninth season covering the program for the Dispatch now, which is, uh, I don't, I, that's hard for me to even say out loud. It's, it does not, that doesn't compute in my brain, but um, nine years, nine years in with the Dispatch covering Ohio State men's basketball um, beat writer. So I'm at every press conference, every game, every interview, and uh, also host the Buckeye Extra podcast where I break down every game and um, come to you once a month or once a week, even during the summer when it can get a little, little interesting to find topics of conversation, but happy to be here. I appreciate you guys having me. For sure. Yeah. Adam was one of the first Buckeye Hoops podcasts I ever started listening to. So I want to make sure we got him on here and get his insight. And he does a great job covering the rest of the Big Ten as well uh, with his content. Brant, so I'm let you introduce yourself. Tell people where they can find you. Yeah, I'm Brant Henson. I'm the founder and CEO here at Big Banner Sports, kind of overseeing the entire network, uh, giving a hand with with all the podcasts. Um, so yeah, we make sure that you check out our website, bigbannersports.com. Uh, find all the podcasts for for each team. We've got one for basketball and one for football for each of the Big Ten teams. Uh, lots of fun cr- cross collaboration between everybody um, as we kind of get into the basketball season here. Excited to, to jump into some of the, the early season games with you guys. For sure, for sure. Uh, these are, like I said, guests from Big Banter Sports, Burke and Brent, and then uh, Adam is with the Columbus Dispatch, so we are thankful to have him with us today as well. This podcast is brought to you by Big Banter Sports, bigbantersports.com. Go there for all your Big Ten media needs, and if you're watching this on YouTube, please do like and subscribe. We appreciate that, and if you're listening on podcast, give us a follow, subscribe there as well, and give us a rating. We want to we know how you think we're doing, uh, what do you think about this podcast, how it goes, those kind of things we appreciate that all right guys let's get into it we're going to get into the first big game from friday that was happening it was ohio state texas a&m texas a&m is ranked 15th in the nation ohio state was actually favored in this game by i think a point or two uh so it was kind of interesting but the buckeyes did fall 66 to 73 so it was close game throughout texas a&m just kind of pulled away there at the end adam let's go to you first what were some of your general thoughts on this game well, uh, we knew going in that uh, this was going to be a battle on the glass and that the way that Texas A&M likes to play, uh, it was going to be really important for Ohio State to try to control some of the rebounding battle. And frankly, they just they, they didn't do a good enough job of that. They, they struggled on the glass. They were out-rebounded by 10. Uh, Texas A&M ended up with a 10-point advantage on second-chance points and, and a game that ends up being decided by six or seven points. Like That looms pretty pretty big. Um, and the, the other thing that was really, really stuck with me is that it's a second straight game now, and this is sort of a big 10 wide trend we're seeing, but they, they really struggle to shoot the ball from three, uh, not quite to Michigan state first two games of the season type of, uh, type of lows, but, um, Jose did not shoot well, uh, from the perimeter. They also missed uh, more free throws than they would like. And when you kind of, when you add all that up and you're playing a really good team, uh, it's, it's going to be difficult to win, even if you are playing at home. And so, um, yeah, just it, it was an opportunity. I, I think Ohio State is going to regret that one uh, as the season goes on because it does feel like it was winnable, 
and they just didn't make enough plays um, down the stretch to, to find a way. Adam, I do want to ask you a question really fast about Zed Key. So he's not been starting this season, and he's one that people are really excited about going into the season, I think, as a returning player, obviously went through the hard injury last year. Uh, do you think Zed Key not starting is going to be something that we see the rest of the season with Felix Alcara starting instead? What do you think there? I mean, they're they're both going to play starters minutes, and it's just I think it's going to depend on the matchup and who they're playing and who's maybe playing well on that day because what you really saw last year when feel or when Zed went down with the shoulder injury was that Felix played at a high level by the end of the season. When, when Ohio state was making the run that it made in the big 10 tournament. And at the end of the regular season, Felix was playing like a starting center and you could see that potential there in a young athletic dude who was just kind of just finally starting to figure out like how to make it all work at this level. Uh, He hasn't quite built on that yet this season. Again, only, two games in, but um, I expect him to be the starter for the foreseeable future because I do think that the upside there is something they're they're banking on. Uh, But Zed has been as steady as anybody this season. I think he's been a really impactful player for them. Um, You know, and when you're still kind of trying to figure out some things offensively about who you are and what you can do, like, no, you guys can speak to this, whatever team you watch, like knowing you can throw the ball into somebody down low, you know, he's no Trace Jackson Davis, but like you get him the ball on, in the paint, you feel like he's going to finish. And that does a lot to settle an offense. So I think he's going to have an important role, uh, even if it does remain coming off the bench this year. Very interesting. Yeah, those two guys will be a, a tandem duo for sure. I'm excited to see them play. Brant, what were some of your thoughts on this game? Yeah, just to kind of piggyback off that Zeg key point, um, I think hands down, he's just the second best player on this team behind Bruce Thornton. Uh, offensively, defensively, uh, he's our best rebounder. Um, I I think you you just need to have him in the game down the stretch um, rather than feel. I think he he's quicker on his feet than Akpara. Akpara is a much longer player, so like, like you mentioned, Adam, uh, with the matchups is going to depend who you shift him in there. Like you saw Akpara on Edie a lot last year, just because he's longer and he can defend him a little better than maybe Zed could. But yeah. Zed Key's slimmed down this year. He's looked very great in the paint. Um, he, he's someone I'm really excited about, and he, he's obviously the veteran leader of this team too. Um, just thoughts on that game overall. I I mean, it, I'm kind of shaky on what I saw. I I don't hate it. The, the Buckeyes didn't get blown out. Um, they, they went hand-in-hand with a very good Texas A&M team and a very experienced Texas A&M team. Um, and, you know, being at home, you would expect that this year to be a little bit better too. I think Ohio State has one of the worst home atmospheres in college basketball. Um, just I, I just feel like it could be more compact. So that's something I feel like could have maybe made a bit of a difference in the game too, is if it was a little more lively in the arena. Um, yeah, overall, um, I think this team has a lot of room to grow, and I think it could look a lot different by the end of the year. Yeah, for sure. Those are great points. Yeah, I think that Ohio State, I looked at the ESPN thing, said it was like 60% capacity at the stadium, uh, and that's for a big game. So not exactly what you want to see out of the crowd in that one. Burke, from your IU goggles point of view, what were your thoughts on this game? I I think that Felix Okpara is he is going to be, if he isn't already, I think entering this season he was the top like per 40 minutes shot blocker in the nation. Second was Kalel Ware, so that we went out and got that guy real quick. There you go. Um, but but it's just uh, you, you would usually think that hand in hand with that would go rebounding, and maybe that's a little bit of the inexperience. Maybe it's the positioning, but uh, I, I yeah, I just don't see the how the rebounding numbers like really in line with that uh, shot blocking ability right now. I mean, eventually that guy's going to be a problem for everybody in the Big Ten. That's an inevitability. And then uh, just as far as Bruce Thornton, he's an absolute bucket. He is. Um, that being said, watching him is a lot like watching Sensible last year. And uh, that I don't I don't know if that spells the best outcome for your team as a whole. Uh, you like to hope that he could get more people involved. But I mean, that 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 should come as people provide options for him, I guess. Yeah, I don't I don't think they want him to be Bryce Sensabaugh 2.0. In yeah. fact, I, I yeah. can tell you definitively, they don't want him to be Bryce Sensabaugh 2.0. Um, that's just, that was kind of a product of how that, that game played out. And I did think the ball stuck a little bit too much for Ohio State, but uh, I don't expect that 
for Ohio State to be its best, they don't want Bruce Thornton taking 20 shots a game. Like he needs to be doing a lot of other things and, and contributing in other ways. And I don't, I don't think the way the AM game unfolded is a precursor for what this Ohio State offense is going to be this year. Uh, and I know they hope that's not the case because, yeah, we, we saw what that looks like when you have one guy just taking a historic percentage of your shots. It doesn't, it generally doesn't go well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but there, there are pieces on this squad that should be able to contribute some very meaningful minutes and this squad should be able to find some success uh, when all said and done this season. Yeah. I think that Bruce is uh, more of a defender than Bryce was for sure last (laughs) year. And he definitely is more physical on the defensive end as well. I'd like to see him work through screens a little bit better, uh, especially being on the ball as much as he's going to be. But at the end of the day, uh, I think Bruce is going to get there. And Adam made a really good point that, you know, that was just kind of the product of the game this time. So we'll see where it goes from there. Let's get to our next game. It's Wisconsin and Tennessee. And we'll also kind of touch on Wisconsin and Providence because they played tonight too. This Michigan State game is wrapping up, so probably after this we'll get to the Michigan State-Duke kind of reaction to all of that. But Wisconsin losing two big games, one to Duke, now one to Providence. Uh, Burke, what are some of your thoughts on these? Uh, well, yeah, through, through three, it honestly seems like they are who I thought they were. Um, a lot of this team coming back next year, and honestly, b- after watching them, it makes me a little sick for how invested I was in this Michigan state squad for pretty much the same reasons. Um, But I, with Wisconsin, it was just more visible that the team that was coming back, there wasn't anyone really other than Connor Asijian that you saw and you were like, that guy can bring another gear next year. Um, Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just my opinion on it. Other than, other than that, this, that Tennessee game, Dalton connect is a monster. And uh, I, he was an Indiana target in the transfer portal. And I just, it makes me sick to my stomach that we didn't get him. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely one you'd like to have on your team. Brent, what were your thoughts on the Wisconsin games and just kind of Wisconsin as a whole right now? Yeah. And that Tennessee game, um, I kind of expected Wisconsin to play a little, a little closer than 10 points. I know, I know they were in there for most of the game before kind of falling off at the end, uh, just because one of the games in Madison, that's a tough place to play. Uh, for any sport uh, and two, just the returning experience like Burke touched on. Um, I, I had higher hopes for this team than what we've seen so far. Um, but I mean that they close out strong in the NIT last season. Um, but maybe that's really just the ceiling of this team. Um, Cause a lot of the guys coming back, like they're solid basketball players, but they can't that. I don't know if there's a go-to score outside of the season, like, like Burke mentioned. Yeah, yeah, it it was like I like each of these guys almost hit you they almost hit their potential last season. You saw there wasn't anybody who you're like, "Oh, th- you see that there's a skill there to be unlocked." And uh yeah, as far as Connor's season this season, I mean, that back issue that can be a problem, man. And if you're dealing with that all season, it's it's unfair to speculate because just back issues can be just such a variety. They can have such a variety of effects on your game. But if if he doesn't, if he can't come back strong as he did last season, if he can't build on last season, it might be a tough year. That being said, I don't expect Indiana to have an easy time at all in the Cole Center because we never have and probably never will. Wisconsin's always going to be a tough out. I think that they played really hard against Tennessee, but, you know, kind of the same thing with Ohio State, you know, lack of shooting three-pointers. They didn't have a single three-pointer off their bench, um, you know, 14 for 23 from the free throw line. It, it was a, it was a struggle for them in this one. Adam, do you see the same thing, or what are your thoughts? Well, I, I didn't get to watch the Tennessee game because I was covering the Ohio State game uh, oh, that, right. that same night. But, uh, you know, my, my impressions coming in, I was actually high on Wisconsin because I, I felt like, uh, a guy like Chucky Hepburn took a step back last year as a sophomore. And I thought like you would, you know, go through some of that and, and kind of come out on the other side and, and and get back to maybe some of the stuff we saw from him as a freshman. And I don't, I don't know if we're going to to see that. I, I thought, but I thought there's a good chance of that happening. And I really like them adding AJ store. I just thought that would give the Badgers a little bit of a different gear. And, I, and then I thought like, I, I know they were only playing uh, Arkansas state, but, 
like I didn't know Wisconsin was allowed to score 105 points. Did did you guys know this? <laughs> no, like, I th- that was crazy. That was I thought, crazy. I thought there was like a Big Ten bylaw against that because yeah. um, that that to me just said like, okay, there there's an offensive ceiling for this team that maybe wasn't there or that we're not accustomed to seeing from Wisconsin. But I feel like then now the way they've played since that first game, I, I don't really know what to make of them uh, at the moment other than I still think, I think they have a high floor. Uh, maybe their ceiling's not quite as high as I thought it was. Yeah, it's an interesting point. They uh, definitely, Greg Gard is not known for his offensive production with teams, but I was I was high on them going into this year too. I thought, you know, a lot of starting lineup guys, minutes, stuff like that coming back, guys who were injured last year who can come back and make a difference. Uh, but so far here early on, we... We just haven't seen it as much. All right, let's get to our Michigan State and Duke reactions. So Michigan State loses 65-74. to 74. Uh, They're having a tough time right now. The early loss to James Madison. They did win a couple days ago, but the loss to Duke tonight by nine points. Um, just, just a tough time for the Spartans right now. But as we know, Tom Izzo is always better at the end of the year than he does seem to be at the beginning. Brant, what were some of your thoughts on this one? Yeah, it felt like they were never really in the game from the very beginning. And, I mean, I don't know if I expected them to be. Just because this Duke team, I had them number one in my preseason poll. I I think they're the most talented team in college basketball. Um, just with what they're returning and the freshman class they brought in. Uh, just a very tough team to beat. Uh, I know they did lose to Arizona early on, but that's another another talented team. And also was their first game right out of the gate, too. Uh, their first, like, real test. Uh, so... Uh, Michigan State fans are all definitely pressing the panic button after the James Madison loss and then losing this game. But I would I would back off it a bit. Um, obviously, the James Madison loss was a surprise and a bit concerning. Uh, losing Joey Hauser was probably a little bigger than we could have imagined it would be because um, he offered just a different dimension uh, from behind the arc. And that's where we've really seen them struggling this year, shooting the three ball. But I think Tyson Walker is a guy who's just going to I mean, we saw him in that second half just take off and uh, keep Michigan State afloat in that game. I think he's a guy who can just keep balling on a, on the next level and uh, kind of keep the team afloat. Yeah, Tyson Walker's doing great, but he needs help from his counterpart, A.J. Hogard. I mean, you know, one for eight tonight, 0 for two from three, 0 for one from the free throw line, only two points. Um, you know, just a rough night for the Spartans. They, they were kind of coming up a little bit there, but then also falling behind. Seemed like every time they got within two or three, Duke started to pull pull ahead a little bit. Adam, what were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I, I keep telling myself they can't possibly shoot this poorly. That I mean this is this is a team that led the Big Ten in three point shooting last season. And to think, you know, at one point they were four for forty four on the season. And like at some point here in, in this Duke game tonight, I just thought to myself like they're going to shoot better at some point because nobody shoots 9% from three for a season. Like that just doesn't happen. So you have to expect like some regression back to the mean and it's obviously early. Uh, so I, I assume that stuff will work itself out, but I was most interested after that James Madison loss that Tom Izzo wasn't talking about them going one for 20 from three or, or some of those other stats that, that were kind of mind blowing. He, he talked about like leadership and needing more of that from this team. And um, I'm just, I'm very curious what that locker room, I guess, is like right now. And like, I mean, Tyson Walker, I think he's a first team, all big 10 player, certainly that level of talent. But I mean, how does, how does AJ Hogard like have the stat line that he has right now? Like that doesn't make sense to me. And they're, they're struggling down low. They've got so many different options in the paint and none of them are really producing, um, I don't, I don't know where you start right now with Michigan State. Other than you just assume that you, I guess, you have the track record. You keep working at it. I would assume a lot of things will eventually get better, but it's just it. I would not want to be in that locker room right now. I would not want to have to go through those practices. Um, I assume they're going to shoot better, and that things generally when you shoot better, things look better. Um, but it's, I, I did not, I did not think they'd be one and two. Certainly. Um, with the loss being to James Madison. 
Yeah, for sure. That's a really good point about the leadership, um, you know, and what that locker room is like. I heard that comment from Izzo as well. And it's like, you know, with the, t- with the guys coming back, like Walker and Hogard and, and Akins, like you, th- you would think that leadership would not be as big of an issue, but yeah, maybe Joey Hauser, exactly. maybe Joey Hauser was just one of those leaders that, you know, maybe didn't get, uh, the recognition that we really thought or something. Um, Burke, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, I think that I, that, that three point shooting is going to find itself. Uh, if they keep getting them up, the, it's water's going to find its level and they're going to be converting some of those where they should start is you, you have to get Xavier Booker. Uh, just, he has to get his sea legs. Um, it, I mean, it's rough sledding right now, but Sissoko, when it, when it comes down to it, he's not going to be the, he's not going to be the answer for them. And, uh, yeah, they, they, Izzo, I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure he might just be trying to get under the radar right now because that's what he does. And this team will be firing on all cylinders in February. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been astounding to watch how rough that shooting performance has been. I think I saw a stat somewhere where it was like, this is the worst two game. The first two games were the worst two game shooting performance in like 15 years from any team. And it's wow. like that that's what they were hanging their hat on all season heading or all off season heading into this one. And like rightfully so, because those guys are skilled. And like I said, I think they'll find it. You know, what I think is going to be fun is that Michigan State's next game. Now they get to host Butler. So Tom Izzo gets to match up against Thad Mata, uh, which I think is just that. It, yeah, I, that, if that, I, if that's I like a worth, high school reunion. Man, I, I I would buy a ticket for that game. Like, yeah. uh, if I could get to East Lansing on Friday night and my family wouldn't disown me, I would absolutely want to be in the stands for that one. Yeah. Oh, it's always crazy how Tom Izzo starts these seasons. I mean, like, what was it, last year they played on that, you know, naval ship or something against Gonzaga. And, like, they, they, they always have these incredibly hard out-of-conference uh, you know, schedules and, and then you get to the Big Ten and it's like, oh, this team, you know, <laughs> looks much better than they were because uh, they go through so much adversity and they grow. And um, yeah, what, what were you going to say? I, I feel like he lives for the time of year where he gets to break in case of emergency. Yeah. Like because once once he does, it just seems like the, a Michigan State team always comes out at the end of the season. Yep. And that's what I think, too. It's like, you know, you see him at the start and you're like, okay, I know by February, by March, they're going to be much better. I just have to trust the process. Um, Hey, let's talk about a winning team, guys. What do you think about that? Uh, Northwestern over Dayton, 71 to 66. Um, Some people might say, oh, this isn't that big of a game. I think Dayton's a pretty good team, uh, right, Ohio guys? I mean, Dayton Flyers are a good team. Um, And I think Northwestern played well in this game, so it's something to talk about. Adam, did you get eyes on this game? What were your thoughts? Well, my, um, what I was thinking about is like, is this the marquee Big Ten win so far? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, because, I mean, yeah, you're Northwestern. You're going to take this win and you're going to run with it and you hope that it holds up. Now, Dayton is without Malachi Smith, who's out for the year with a knee injury, which is really unfortunate for the Flyers. He's so important uh, to what they do. But, you know, you, you still you got to play the game with the guys you have and the guys that they have. And I thought that, you know, for them to to take care of that business. I mean, they, you know, the two, a, a couple of wins to open the season, they look, you know, like Northwestern that we saw last season. And, um, you know, there's a reason I think, uh, you know, when you have a, a, still my favorite name in the big 10, but you know, when you have boo boo, you have a chance. And those guys, there's a, there's a good juju. There's a good momentum around that program um, this season. And I do think it's, we need to accept it. Northwestern is probably in that conversation there in that middle of the upper pack of the big 10. Like they're, they're one of those teams that will be, I think, knocking on that door for another, you know, multiple day buying that big 10 tournament. They're, they looked the part early to me of a team that's this time going to be able to build on the success that it had in the tournament. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, Langborg and Barnheiser, they played really well in this game too. And, and Dayton shot really well, but the story was Northwestern's defense and getting steals and turnovers and forcing a uh, really difficult play for Dayton to be able to, you know, take what, 53 shots in this game to Dayton's 39. So, I mean, that's huge for them uh, to do that kind of stuff. Burke, what were your thoughts on this one? Heading into the season, I thought uh, without Chase Audige, who was going to play second fiddle to Boo Booey, but like you said, you brought up Langborg. Langborg is making his case for like 
uh, Ivy League transfer of the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Dingle's fallen off, um, and it's just a shame. Like you, you say, yeah, they're here to stay, but that that was a big game. Dayton at visiting Northwestern. The fact that they only had eighty percent attendance in that seven thousand seat arena is it's just sad it's sad and it and as much as they take pride in being like the sports journalism capital of the midwest yeah maybe they shouldn't invest in some marketing or something i i can tell you that they will have it will be a much different story when season ticket packages and big 10 games roll around for students um because they've had to go to some pretty drastic lengths to make sure that they can meet the demand for the student tickets at Northwestern. Really? Yeah. It's, I mean, they have all kinds of crazy incentive programs across the university. Like if you want to get men's basketball tickets, you know, you better be going to, you know, this, this non-ref sport, that non-ref sport, make sure you sign in and you get, there's a lot that is actually going into getting tickets for as many Northwestern basketball games as you want this year. And I do think like, I actually circled that as one of the games I'm most intrigued to see on Ohio State schedule this year because I think Northwestern is going to be really good. Ohio State plays there on, I think, a Saturday night. Like, that place is going to be packed, I expect, and it's going to be loud. And, yeah, it only holds whatever it holds, but you feel it, that place is plenty loud, and those fans have been waiting a long time for something to cheer about. Yeah, the acoustics really work for them in that case, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to our Wild Chat uh, podcast because uh, I think it's Dylan. He's the one that kind of runs a lot of that student stuff there um, with with uh, getting the tickets, like you talked about, Adam. And he told me he was like, when you know, he's been to Duke before. He said he honestly feels like it's kind of like a pseudo Duke environment. Mm. You know, the attendance is less than ten thousand, but when you really mm. get it going in there, um, like I said, pseudo Duke, not exactly mm. Duke, but mm. small arena that can really get loud and get going. He was telling me, like, and of course, he's going to be really into his school. Uh, <laughs> but um, I, I do think there's something to be said about these small arenas because they can they can really uh, yeah. provide a yeah. good experience for the students. What were you going to say, Adam? I was just going to say that uh, Bruce Thornton is 6'2", and I'm also 6'2", but that doesn't mean I'm a pseudo-Bruce Thornton. (laughs) (laughs) Makes sense. Brent, what were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, my take on Northwestern as a whole right now, I think come February, they're going to be contending for a regular season title in the Big Ten. I'm really, really high on this team. They play play Big Ten ball. They play gritty. They make shots, which you need in the Big Ten because these are – Final score is 50 to 49. If you can make shots, you win the game. Um, Boo Booey just opens the floor for so many guys. Brooks Barnheiser. I mean, I know, I know he's been mentioned here, but remember the name. I, he's going to have an insane season. 6'6", super big on the wing. The, one of the most beautiful shooting strokes I've ever seen. And he gets rebounds for these guys, too. He plays super gritty uh, basketball. Um, he's a guy I'm a big fan of, and I think he's going to have a huge, huge season. Uh, stepping into that bigger role with with Aldige no longer in that backcourt, and then Langbord, of course, is filling in, just um, providing that that veteran experience too for this team. Uh, so this is a team that I really like. I mean, the win over Dayton, um, they won. That's all you need. All you need to do. It it was maybe a closer game than it it could have been, but they won the game. At the end of the day, just win, right? Just win. Exactly. The Amen. I. I second that wholeheartedly with my squad's performances. <laughs> oh, we'll get to your squad here yeah, in a second. Let's go. Before we do that, I do want to say something about CBB Analytics. CBB Analytics is a great source for college basketball analytics. They have given me a free pro tier, uh, so that way I can tell you about it, so I can figure out all I want to figure out. It comes with get great game recaps, all kinds of in-depth stats. This is like PFF for college basketball, so if you ever want to go and get in-depth analysis in-depth numbers and try to figure things out really tells the story of the game without you having to watch it I of course still watch the games but it can help me uh, figure out a little bit more so CBB analytics check it out it is a great resource all right Burke let's talk about your IU Hoosiers 72 64 I ranked them fifth in my power rankings Twitter wasn't too happy with me about it that's fine whatever I don't like Twitter rule my life but uh, Burke what were some of your thoughts on this game Oh, where do you start? Do you start with the uh, four unforced turnovers in the first five minutes of that one? Um, I believe there was 18 turnovers on the day. I believe, I mean, Army must have shot the ball 18 more times than us. Um, it's just, it, it's painful to see a team get gutted like we did 
Trace Jackson Davis, you don't even realize everything he was doing for this team until he's gone. You like most people can see the stat lines, can see the points and the blocks, but this the everything ran through him. He initiated the offense as our center. And uh it's just it's been tough sledding figuring it out, but I'm glad that we have these opponents to figure it out with. There is a lot of talent on this team. And uh I, I mean Trey Galloway, Trey Galloway. Um he just need he needs to be aggressive. He shot 47 or yeah, 46.2% from the 3 last year. And his just unwill his unwillingness to take a three-point shot is aggravating. You wish that this guy was more selfish. And then as for like we we were we hope to God Mackenzie and Baco can contribute to this team. And I, that's still the case because if this team is competing in March, it will be because Mackenzie and Baco found his footing because he is a huge part of what's going on here. Um but as far as defensively, he has been an utter liability that just cannot see the floor at this time. Um, maybe that's because we're forcing him at the three. He came here because I think Mike Woodson sold him on the idea that he will allow him to play the three. But he's just he is, I would say, a step slow, but he is a he is three steps slow on the defensive end. And then uh yeah, as far as what's I mean. Good teams find a way to win. Thank God we found a way to win. But it's largely been because of Kalel Ware, oddly enough, who was going into this season our biggest question. Everybody was talking about, does this guy have the motor? And it, the motor still isn't there, come tip. I don't know what Indiana's problem is. I, I'm convinced that layup lines do not work. You need to play half court or something to get this game, to get this team ready, come tip. Um, It's been... It's just been a tough watch, but uh, with Wright State coming up, I'm hoping we have a get right game here, and then hopefully, I mean, UConn is going to be brutal if the same team goes out there. Yeah, the story for me watching the IU game was just like the announcers, Robbie Humble. It was like every time a kid made a shot, he was like, man, this kid's having a career night. <laughs> you know, that Curry and that Barker kid. And um, I forget who the guy down low was. Peterson uh, against where I think it was. It was like every time they did something, you know, Robbie Humble saying, man, this guy's having the night of his life. And it's like, how did, how did that many guys have the night of their life in Assembly Hall? But uh, I guess, you know, they were really hunting for it. So it was an interesting game, to say the least. Brant, what were some of your thoughts? Yeah, my, my initial thoughts, I'm just glad that Indiana didn't completely disrespect the troops on Veterans Day weekend. <laughs> it it would have been <laughs> tough to say we have there and just dismantled, dismantled our, our army, our servicemen. Um, so good, good on them for letting them hang around and, and play them closely. Um, but yeah, this is an Indiana team that obviously has a lot of growing to do. You've got to figure out who's going to make shots for you. You've got to figure out what's going on defensively. Um, I mean, honestly, still, I'd say maybe even more question marks than they were coming into the season. And there were a lot of those. So it's it's going to be a, a team that's fun to watch as, as they figure it out. And as Mike Woodson maybe goes through his first adversity since he's kind of lived through Trace Jackson Davis uh, during his time here yeah. at, uh, at Indiana. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how IU progresses the season without Trace Jackson Davis. Adam, what were some of your thoughts? Yeah, I I don't I don't know that I've seen a team that just doesn't seem as interested as shooting a three as Indiana. I feel like they they're gonna have to sh- shoot more and make more if they want to keep pace in the Big Ten. Um, other than that, I'm I'm intrigued by Gabe Gabe Cups. I mean, he just he's a you know, Ohio State recruited him. I wrote some stories about him when when he was in high school, and like, I mean, his dad is an excellent high school coach. They've won at a very high level there. Like that dude, like everything about him exudes basketball winner, captain, leader, all those things. And I think the fact that he's already showing some of that early, like I don't know what the production necessarily looks like for him long term, um, but uh, there's a lot to like about like projecting a Gabe cups growing into a bigger role. And I think that's probably the thing I'm most excited about watching Indiana this season is just seeing what he can become. And if he can become whatever that is, like how does that take some of the pressure off those bigs that, um, you know, are still kind of finding their way a little bit. 
Yeah, I really like Gabe Cups. I was kind of sad to go to Ohio State, but you know he made the decision that was best for him, and uh, obviously I use a great place to go and, and get developed. Um, I'm surprised none of you guys mentioned Xavier Johnson. I, I feel like he was kind of the story in this game. It, it felt like every time the team around him seemed uninterested, it was like Xavier Johnson went out and did his best to make a play. Now, sometimes I think he gets a little, you know, too into it and kind of does his own thing. But also, I don't know if I really blame the guy when you're looking around and you're like, guys, somebody do something. And Xavier Johnson's like, okay, fine, I will. I mean, Burke, did you see the same thing? What are your thoughts on Xavier? I love, love X to death. I love X to death. But it like just the uninterested nature of this squad, like in these last two games, the inability to get anything going offensively, as a fan base, I almost feel like <clears throat> we we aren't hyping up what he's been doing to carry production, almost because as the sixth year senior captain, if there is, if the whole squad is uninterested, it's almost on him to an extent, fair or unfair. Uh, he's assumed the role of the leader, and he needs to figure it out, figure out how to feed the post. Because, I mean, the post is where most of our talent lies. Yeah, I mean, I feel like in this game, yeah, I do feel like he could have done a little bit better in feeding the post. But, you know, he had good numbers. Four for eight field goal percent or, uh, in field goals, two for four from three-point line, nine for nine free throws. That you know, you if, he, that. if he doesn't have that first half, I mean, our team quits at halftime and it's over. Yeah, so um, I think he's going to be really interesting to see moving forward uh, this season. So, all right, let's move on to Maryland. So Maryland had a couple hard games in their uh, tournament. I think it was like the something classic. I forget what kind of is tournament. The Asheville. Asheville. Uh, yes, so the Asheville Classic. Uh, losing to Davidson and UAB, both by three points, both close games. Um, I don't know if we need to necessarily break down the games fully, but, uh, you know, Maryland's kind of going through it right now. I know the Turtleheads aren't too happy about it, I'm sure, but, um, you know, what are they, one and two? I think, yeah, one and two right now. Um, not really the same start as Michigan State because they're losing to worse teams, in my opinion, than James Madison and Duke, but... Um, Adam, what's your thoughts on the Terrapins? Well, I picked Maryland to finish third in the Big Ten in the preseason media poll that I help run every year. So clearly, I I, I had high expectations for these guys. And I mean, you like you look at their Ken Palm page right now, and it is not a pretty picture. I mean, they're 322nd in three-point percentage. They're 262nd in effective field goal percentage. They're 281st in turnover percentage. Like, I don't really know what they're doing well at the moment. Um, that being said, I mean, it's a, it's a Kevin Willard team. Like, you know, they're going to be, you know, it's not like they're getting blown out. I mean, these, these are rock fight type of games and, you know, I, I still have belief he's going to find a way to get some really good things out of this team. Um, but, uh, in to, for the sake of complete transparency, I haven't, I didn't get to watch either of those games because I was working for, for both of them, but I'm just, I'm, I'm surprised. I'm very surprised that. I thought this was a team that was ready to sort of take a step into the upper echelon of the Big Ten right off the bat, and they haven't been able to do that yet, and that is that is perplexing to me. Yeah, I had to watch replays of both of these. I wasn't able to catch them live, but uh, so I didn't really get the announcers when I watched, but it just seemed like to me in both the games, it was just kind of like lazy fouls here and there that really hurt their momentum. It seemed like every time Maryland was getting somewhere with something, uh, Scott or Reese would kind of give a dumb foul, and uh, what's it, DHS, um, at least in the Davidson game, um, I don't think so in the in the UAB game as much, but at least in the Davidson game, it just, it just felt like there were dumb fouls that were being made here and there. And, and that really kills momentum in basketball. When, when you're making fouls, you feel like you're actually getting some momentum and then something happens like that. Not only does that kill your momentum, but your teams as well. Uh, Brent, what were your, some of your thoughts? Yeah, I definitely heard, heard you on the, the fouls. Um, another thing that kind of sticks out to me with this Maryland team, who I also thought was like a top three or four team in the big 10 uh, coming into the season it's just the lack of depth throughout the first two games. You've got like your top four guys on their roster. You've got a great backcourt. You've got a, a superstar freshman guard in DHS who has played a ton of minutes throughout the first few games of the season. And then you've got Jameer Young who played just a ton of minutes throughout his career and is obviously one of the better guards, um, not only in the Big Ten, but also in the nation. And then the front court, Dante Scott and Julian Reese have played a bunch of minutes for these guys. Uh, but as, outside of those four guys, 
really like where are you going to turn if somebody one of those guys gets in foul trouble or someone gets hurt or someone's tired um so i, I think they could use definitely two or three more guys to emerge as um higher rotation players to for this team to to really take this step forward key rotation player that uh burke knows a lot about i'm sure yep. Jordan yeah, I was going to say that Maryland is enjoying currently the full Jordan Geronimo experience. Um, Jordan Geronimo started the Davidson game, uh, had 22 minutes in the UAB game. And uh, it, it's just, it, you look at the guy, his physicality, his it's just this raw potential that you can see in him. But he, at the end of the day, he's the same player that he was roughly three years ago. Um, he's good for one of the sickest putback dunks you'll see all season. That's going to happen. It, it's coming up, Maryland fans. You'll have that to look forward to. But other than that, it, it, it's it's a, a painful experience hoping that he, it's going to click for him. And and genuinely, I was like, I hope he finds the success at Maryland in every opportunity that he isn't playing Indiana. But but for through these first three, it looks like much of the same. Yeah, I always liked Jordan Geronimo. I felt like he had an athletic piece to him that was really strong, and he could always yeah. do more. But but I have to agree, Burke. It just seems like he's not taking that next step in his game. For his sake, I hope he does. But um, you know, we still need to see kind of that next step be taken and and get there. So, um, all right, our next game, Michigan at St. John's. This is one of the surprising teams that you know we saw that maybe we didn't know how good they would be. People were picking them to be you know tenth, eleventh, twelfth, uh, and that certainly this certainly doesn't mean they couldn't be that low but the offense looks really really strong phil martelli's doing a good job with these guys here early on in the season they beat st john's 89 to 73 uh rick patino had a lot of really nice things to say about phil martelli and team overall uh brant i know they're your rival i know you hate him right now uh but you know go ahead and, and let us know some of your thoughts about michigan versus st john's yeah gotta hype him up for, for that performance i didn't see it coming um i I, I admittedly had them ranked bottom four in the conference coming into the season just because I I didn't know how you – I mean, you had a team who didn't make the tournament last year and then you lose Hunter Dickinson um, and you lose Jet Howard. What It, it doesn't seem like there's going to be um, really much going on with that team. But Olivier Kwamwa has really looked insane throughout the first few games coming in from Tennessee. seems like he has even taken a step up from where he was at Tennessee. I mean – We've only seen him in three games against maybe lesser opponents. So uh, remains to be seen how he looks against Big Ten opponents, but he's looked really, really sound in the front court for them. Uh, and then Doug McDaniel is a guy who has um, really caught my eye early on too. Um, he's He's been a leader, and that's what Michigan has needed as a leader at the guard position um, on this team. You really need someone to emerge as a ball handler um, and as a distributor, um, also a shot maker, and McDaniel can do all of that. Um, so as long as he's playing at that level, I think Michigan's going to be just fine. Uh, and doing all this without Jawan Howard, too, um, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, for sure. We hope Jawan gets back soon. Um, we talked about him on the last podcast, but we'll see when he is able to get back. Uh, Adam, what were some of your thoughts on this one? Well, what's that that meme where it's like Shaq is like, I'm sorry, I wasn't really familiar with your game. <laughs> um, like. That's how I feel about what Doug McDaniel has done these last two years now. I mean, well, you know, one year and three games. But, I mean, last year, him being forced into such a big role due to an injury, I thought, like, well, that's that's it. Like, there's no way that this, what is he, 5'11", 160-pound guard is going to be able to do much of anything. And I thought he was pretty darn good for them last year. And I think, like like Brant said, I mean, he's he's just been fun to watch this year. And I think, like, that's a big word right now with how Michigan is playing. I think we we've gone through some of these other big 10 teams and it's like, well, they might be winning, but you know, this guy and this position group and oh, nobody's making shots. It's like Michigan's playing exciting, fun basketball right now. And that honestly, earlier when I joked that, you know, Northwestern beating Dayton might be the marquee win for the league, like beating St. John's the way that Michigan did, that's actually probably a more, a better answer because, um, there were a lot of people that thought that was going to be a really good game. I mean, there was a lot that kind of went into that. And Michigan had no interest in that being a game. And I just thought the way that they have, have carried themselves in the early going here, uh, I don't know long-term what that looks like. Um, and we'll see how things change when Juwan comes back. But this is you couldn't have asked for a better start if you're Michigan. 
Yeah, for sure. Especially missing Juwan Howard, like uh, Brant said. And I felt like there was a lot of cool storylines going into this game, right? You had Phil Martelli coming back, playing St. John's again. You have uh, Rick Pitino, his, what, first or second game, second, I think it was, uh, playing you know, for St. or uh, coaching for St. John's. I, th- I thought it was a really interesting one. And then Michigan just went out there and, you know, <laughs> had their way on offense and did whatever it seemed like they wanted to. Burke, did you see the same thing? Doug McDaniel is that dude. He, he, he just lights it up with, I mean, there isn't a, there isn't a pr- better like point guard for you in the college game, because this guy is not going to be sniffed at by the NBA. And if this is what he's doing now, Michigan's going to be able to just rely on this for the next how many years? How many years does he have left? I think two like, more. Yeah, absolutely unreal. It honestly has me thinking that hey, maybe you just need to go out there and recruit guys under six foot. I think I think he's listed at five eleven on Michigan's website, and that that is so generous. That is so generous. He has to be five nine out there. <laughs> it is insane what he is doing. It it. I, I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous that Michigan has this for the next because he's not going to go anywhere. Michigan's going to be able to keep him. And uh, yeah, absolutely lighten it up. Olivier Nakamwa, he's he's doing a, a bit of what Trace Jackson Davis did last year, where he is distributing at a rate that you usually someone in that position wouldn't have to. But uh, yeah, they are they are humming and. Uh, uh, I would have said that the first two were flukes, but I mean, they are just doing it time and time again. Yeah, I mean, and 25, uh, or not 25, sorry, 14 offensive rebounds in this game. That's impressive to me. Every single starter in this team had an offensive rebound at some point. Uh, Duck McDaniels himself, the short dude, had three. So that's really, really impressive. And I mean, Doug McDaniels, you know, what, six rebounds, seven assists, 26 points? I mean, look out for this dude going into Big Ten play. I know that the big guys, you know, are going to try to give him some trouble, but, um, you know, we'll see if he can keep it rolling and keep it moving, because uh, this does not look like a Michigan team that's going to lose to Central Michigan this year, that's for sure. So. They, it's, it seems like their shots are coming from everywhere, and if they can rely on Cheddar to be hitting his shots, they're like Cheddar's making his shots right now. Yep. It, it's They're going to be a dangerous squad. I had them in the bottom. I had them in the basement of the Big Ten this season, but, man, they reloaded and they're ready. Yeah. Yeah, props to Juwan for getting this team ready and Phil Martelli as well. So, all right, our last game, save the best for last, right, guys? I don't know if anybody wants to call them the best, but I think we can pretty confidently say Purdue was on the top of most people's uh, power rankings going into this year. <laughs> and uh, Purdue, they won 83-71. to 71. And as I was watching this game, I was thinking to myself, I don't feel like Purdue's playing very well. But Xavier's playing much worse because Purdue is just kicking their butt in this one. I like, you know, Zach E was out there for a little bit and you could kind of see Xavier trying to take advantage of it. But, you know, still Purdue was able to uh, seemingly do what they want to do. They were hitting their shots. Uh, Adam, what were your thoughts on this one? There was no point in this game where I thought Xavier or that Purdue was in any real danger. And I just think like this looks like a team. I'm tr- I keep trying not to draw sweeping conclusions about teams after just like two or three games into the season and you know two of them being against Samford Moorhead State but like they they look like a team on a mission they look like a team that believes in themselves I feel like they're moving with a little bit better pace than than what we've seen they looked they just looked more athletic when I was watching this game than what I remember seeing from them last year we'll see how that all plays out and they still need Lawyer and Smith to take big leaps from freshman to sophomore year um but I, I've seen nothing to dissuade me from the thought that Purdue's the class of the Big Ten, and I just thought they took, they went against a Xavier, a Xavier team that's athletic and fun, and they just took it up another notch, and they had an answer for everything Xavier threw at them. I never was worried that Purdue was going to lose that game. Yeah, I felt like Sean Miller had a really good game plan going into it. You know, tough, stingy defense, really pressure those guards. And Braden Smith, he had three turnovers, but Fletcher Lawyer, zero turnovers for him. Uh, I think that's what people are going to be watching a lot of this team this year to see, you know, how do the guards do with the turnovers and those kind of things. Um, and Zach Eady, I mean, Zach Eady was Zach Eady, 28 points, 11 rebounds. It's like, you know, <laughs> it's kind of the standard of what we're going to see from him, it seems like, most nights. Burke, what were your thoughts? I mean, Braden Smith absolutely took that step that everyone in that town that smells like farts told me he was going to. And uh, Fletcher Lawyer hasn't taken that same like caliber of step, but he doesn't even need to right now. 
Uh, maybe when Zach Eady is gone, I mean, absolutely, he'll be asked to take that. I mean, just be that much more of a presence. But the biggest thing for me right now is Miles Colvin in that squad. Like, uh, if you're Lance Jones or Fletcher Lawyer, like, look out because Miles Colvin is coming for your starting job, like, before March. Yeah, what was it? 11 minutes, nine points, three for three from behind the arc. Um, yeah. Yeah, really good performance from him. Brant, what were your thoughts? Yeah. This game kind of went exactly as I expected it to go. Uh, this Xavier team is just completely retooling from what we saw last year. It's definitely not the same team we saw last year. Uh, they lost a lot. Still a great coach in Sean Miller, and he he did what he could with this team. Uh, but against a team that just has so much returning and so much talent um, in, in Purdue, there just wasn't ever a chance for Xavier to um, to, to knock off the big dogs. And, I mean, a lot of people coming into the season compared Purdue to the Virginia team that lost to a 16 seed and then went back and won it all the next year. Um, Very much a chance that that could happen with this Purdue team. Uh, Just the way, like Adam mentioned, they just look like they're playing faster, uh, more athletic, um, better basketball overall. Because, I mean, last year they won a lot of games, but they did it in a clunky way. Um, This year they just seem more um, cohesive together. On, on on that Virginia note, though, I, I have to say something. Uh, the likes of Florida, Syracuse, and Michigan State were the opponents that Virginia lost to prior to that. That's a little different than FDU, St. Peter's, and uh, North Texas. Now, I, it, call me suspicious, but sports curses are a thing. Ask the Cubs, ask the Red Sox, it happens. It might be a long time for these guys. So, I mean, you can't put that pressure on Purdue, man. It, it is a lot of pressure, but I mean, we'll see. We'll see. All right, guys, that's all I have for the podcast. Uh, I'm impressed. We kept it under an hour, so props to you guys. Um, any other final thoughts just about the Big Ten or anything basketball-wise you guys want to get off your chest before we get out of here? I'm just happy to be back, man. This is the best. Football and basketball, it's the best time of the year. I agree. I agree. All right. Well, hey, thanks, everybody, for coming on. Please do check these guys out. Burke at Often Daunted, Brant at BigBanterSports.com, and Adam Jardy at the Columbus Dispatch. Buckeye Extra is his Buckeye Basketball podcast. Be sure to check these guys out. They all do great work. Thanks for listening, and thank you guys for coming in and helping with the pod. See you later.